0: Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Customers Who Click podcast. Over the course of this podcast, I'll be interviewing leading marketers on various topics, channels, strategies, and tactics. Together, we'll learn about ASO, gamification, choosing your KPIs, artificial intelligence, and much more. And I hope you'll walk away from every episode with some new learnings to implement for yourselves. Our first episode, I welcome Will Stewart-Jones from 3Radical to talk about the world of gamification and customer engagement. Will is the Head of Solutions Consulting at 3Radical, and is responsible for evangelizing how gamification can be leveraged as part of our, an earned data strategy. This enables brands to cut through the noise of competing marketing to directly re-engage with audience of all types, using fun and engaging interactive experiences. I'm a huge fan of gamification and customer engagement myself, um, and I've briefly worked with 3Radical last year actually. I think it's super important to get your customers, particularly new customers engaging more intimately with your brand. We all know the stats that say it's between five to 25 times more expensive to acquire a customer than it is to retain one. And so the best way to build a long-term business is to engage properly with your customers, treat them as friends of the brand rather than just an email list to be sent promotions. You want them coming back to buy from you because they like your brand and your products, not the discounts you offer. That's enough from me. Let's get Will on to talk about gamification, loyalty schemes, and some tips on how to implement them for yourselves. Hello, and welcome to Will Stewart-Jones. Do you want to tell us a bit about yourself, your background, uh, and why you do what you do?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. Great to be here. So, yeah, Will Stewart-Jones. I'm Head of Solutions Consulting, a company called 3Radical. So, a uh, bit of potted history. Gosh, uh, left university back in '95. Uh, And since then, really, over the course of, gosh, 25 plus years, uh, getting on four, I have now been involved in marketing technology and data in various different ways. And I guess the thing that I really love about uh, all the things that I've done over those years is really, I guess, helping people, uh, I guess, understand how data and marketing tech can be used uh, basically to solve, I guess, various different business challenges. Um, So today, these days, I'm all about uh, obviously demonstrating the power of the three radical platform, which uh, no doubt we'll touch upon a bit more about today.
0: Cool, great. Um, So what does a standard day look like for you?
1: Cool. So I I guess you'll probably hear a lot of people say this, but uh, I guess one of the greatest things about my role is that there's quite a lot of variety, really. So the largest amount of my time is usually spent engaging with customers and prospects um, demonstrating our software platform uh, and then i guess moving on to then scoping projects and implementing uh, our technology but as well as sort of demonstrating tech uh, the the cool thing is that that can be done with different clients at different verticals from day to day and then you know throw on top of that things like uh, webinars and speaking at industry events working on product marketing collateral or, you know, getting my hands dirty in terms of actually implementing the software for clients. So you, you can kind of see why sort of no two days are ever the same.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you're pretty busy, um, got a lot of different things on your hands.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. But as I say, variety is the spice of life. So uh, I, I guess that's the cool thing. You know, one day I might be talking to an online online gaming company, uh, you know, about how to use uh, gamification and other techniques to drive maybe retention retention of players. Uh, uh, you know, scroll forward a couple of days, and I may be in the US talking to prospects uh, in a completely different vertical. So there, it may be you know, casual dining chains or large data agencies. Um, so yeah, that's that's really the bit that kind of keeps me um, keeps me uh, going to work every day.
0: Sounds good. Yeah, I, I think I've had the same. I've worked in a bunch of startups, and, uh, and now that I'm consulting, I think it's really good working on a variety of different projects and uh, you know, testing out different things,
1: different industries. Absolutely, and and that's the kind of cool thing. So I've worked for sort of large organisations, people like Tableau, uh, other software companies in the past. Um, three Radical now is sort of right at the other end of the scale. So I, I was employee number three, uh, and now we sort of scaled up to about twenty-five. So I guess less of a startup, more of a, a keep going these days. But um, still fun to be part of something where you feel like you can have a lot of impact on on how the company and how that how the product is is shapes up over time.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so tell us a bit more about gamification. Um, you know, I think from my experience, it, it kind of seemed like a bit of a buzzword maybe like five years ago. And, and I feel it never really kicked off. You've got obviously loyalty schemes and things, but the idea of gamification just never seemed to become that massive, con, like next marketing uh, thing that pe- everyone wanted to to do and shout about. So yeah, t- tell us a bit about it. Uh, you know, what, what is it? What sort of businesses should use it? Um, are there any particular businesses you think it works really well for?
1: Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess sort of tackling your, your original question about, you know, what w- was gamification a sort of a fad or a buzzword that's sort of been and gone? So I think scrolling back, you know, having worked at 3 Radical now for the best part of six years, um, we sort of certainly entered fairly early on in, the, in the, the sort of market. And I guess in those days at the outset, there was a lot of people maybe over, over-promising and un- under-delivering. And I think also there was a bit of a i guess perhaps we weren 't particularly good at explaining what what the value proposition was, so there, I guess there 's quite a lot of preconceptions about what gamification is and isn 't um, I, I have to say actually if you if you get involved in gamification circles that the industry itself seems to spend quite a disproportionate amount of time actually discussing exactly what gamification is but um, if you if you look at a textbook description it it 's basically what you normally see if you look on Wikipedia. It's kind of about the usage of elements here from game design and applying those to, to non-game context to, context to typically boost engagement with audiences of different types. Um, so, you know, distilling that, what does that mean? It's, a, it's about the, taking the essence of what makes games so fun and addictive and trying to apply those to, to I guess, solve other business challenges. Now, you know, one of the kind of quite cool things is that, it, as I say, it's a set of techniques I know that we're sort of, you know, focusing largely on marketing today. Um, where you know obviously it could be applied to solve things like classic marketing goals like acquiring more customers or creating more frequent digital engagement as we've done for sort of lots and lots of household brands. Um, but it's actually something that can be um, I guess applied to pretty much any challenge. So we've also fully enough applied the same capabilities to trying to get people to engage more with uh, maybe training content around cybersecurity training. We've even used it with sort of cohorts of students in terms of getting maybe overseas students to feel more comfortable in their surroundings if they if they rock up at an international university. So it's really a set of principles, set of techniques, as I say, that can be applied to different challenges where we're trying to motivate audiences to complete different tasks and, and make that, that process fun and engaging and therefore, uh, you know, drive higher uh, engagement rates, higher response rates, higher levels of action accordingly. So I guess in terms of why businesses should use it, I suppose because there's there's this sort of set of uh, principles, you know, it, it's really about establishing what the what the business challenges are. So in terms of some things that we've done, um, you know, I'll give you some 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 kind of examples. So the, the first one is probably around, let's say, customer acquisition. So so we we at Three Radical we work with quite a few dining chains, um, casual dining brands, people like. Uh, Bella Italia, uh, Zizi, Ask Italian, uh, and uh, and a lot of those uh, organisations, you know, um, it's one of the last sectors where consumers can be effectively digitally anonymous. So you don't have to book in advance, um, you can pay by cash, you, you don't really leave a digital audit trail of any sort. So as a result, a lot of those organisations typically maybe only have on their customer data may, database maybe ten or fifteen percent of all people that walk through the front door. So, With those, those kind of organizations, it's really about using gamification techniques or gamified campaigns to drive a transition from offline to online. So, you know, you've got people that come into a restaurant, they sit down for their food. Uh, what we try to do is fill the gap between somebody sitting down and the food arriving with a little gamified campaign where there's a value exchange that occurs. So somebody is potentially completing a, uh, a little registration, perhaps adding a marting opt-in. And then they're potentially able to play, let's say, some sort of instant win mechanic, something like a Wheel of Fortune or a digital scratch card. And, uh, you know, the the consumer payoff is that they potentially win something like a, an immediately redeemable voucher. And we can talk about whether that's pure gamification perhaps in a moment. Um, so they've, they've de- derived some value. Maybe it's a sort of stretch spend voucher, free desserts, or maybe it's a bounce back to drive them back into store. They've had a bit of fun in terms of the game mechanic, and in return, the brand has received something uh, in return. So they've potentially um, received some data, perhaps a new sign-up, a new name that they can market to. And then you know, if there's a bit more time to kill, we might follow that up with uh, an additional step, maybe give somebody the chance to earn further rewards by providing some self-reported data. So that might be answering a quick survey, which might be, again, gamified in some way. And what we're trying to do there is not boil the ocean. It's typically, in this use case, it's about um, you know, brands capturing four or five key pieces of customer insight data. Uh, again, in the sort of casual dining context if people got special dietary requirements, maybe whether they've got children, when their birthday is, all, all things that you know, good marketers are gonna be able to use um, to improve the, you know, the quality of personalization that they may be uh, driving on other channels when they're sending out emails or, or, or posting socially, for example. So that's kind of a a kind of a use case uh, and a little bit bit about gamification Um, I guess purists, uh, this is a bit of a moot point. So purists would kind of say that gamification really shouldn't be about using real-world rewards. It should be actually about just intrinsically making processes more fun and using things like badges and and, and things like statuses to to award people to, to keep them engaged um, we're, we at Three Radical, we're probably a little bit more pragmatic. We try and mix those kind of gamification techniques with some of more the old school kind of loyalty, uh, loyalty scheme mechanics as well to you know, really bring the, the best, best of both worlds to, uh, to any challenge.
0: Yeah, I, I see there being a, a mix between the two, really. You know, you, you, if you uh, just gave, gave people some badges on the website, you know, people are going to look at them and go, well, you know, what is the point of this? What am I actually getting from this? And they might stop engaging with the, uh, the tool. However, if you, you know, you could, um, like, like you said with the restaurants, you can uh, kind of gamify the, the process of people giving more data and then they get either immediate or future rewards towards that. Um, or you could use it as a process for maybe a SaaS business where it's trying to get people um, through the initial setup uh, of their account and so you're not actually rewarding them with things. You're just kind of, like you said, using experiences from games to make the process more fun and well, maybe not fun, but, you know, uh, more engaging and, and easier for them to actually accomplish all the different steps they need um, to get, you know, that initial setup.
1: done. Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, that's a classic kind of onboarding use case, isn't it? So, again how do you, you you kind of visually bring to life some of some of these these mechanics that games use so uh, what percentage am i through a, a particular process you know um, am i collecting s- symbolic rewards to indicate progress towards the ultimate goal is so onboarding is absolutely an, an, another use case um i mean another one that we've also used quite frequently relates to i guess around retention or, or long long-term loyalty so um you know let's say um again uh, let, let's go to casual dining um uh, even if you love pizza the chances are that you're, you're unlikely to visit a restaurant on you know once a once a month once a quarter so a lot of these organizations you can apply this to a lot of retail outlets you know maybe you go buy some, some clothing online or offline, you know, once a quarter. How, how do you have an ongoing dialogue with those consumers between those those infrequent visits? And how do you establish, I guess, more of an emotional connection? I know marketing is a lot about this, this kind of ephemeral concept of brand values and, you know, how do you make your brand connect emotionally with, with consumers? So um, I guess, um, you know, in the past, uh, a lot of marketers have relied on email as being the answer. So organizations have maybe sent out blanket or slightly personalized messages about offers um, in the kind of vain hope that they're gonna hit the, uh, the right moment in terms of when somebody's considering their next purchase. But predicting somebody's next purchase is, is, is you know, not exactly um, easy, particularly if it's something with an infrequent sort of cycle or pattern to it. So what tends to happen is that consumers will typically then sort of increase the frequency with which email messages are sent, hoping to hit that perfect moment in time. But at some point, what you're going to do is kind of the reverse, which is actually hit somebody's threshold for unsubscribing. And then all of a sudden, that's a name and, you know, the hard-earned name that you've acquired that you no longer have the rights to. So, again, you know, in loyalty, where we're kind of seeing gamification being applied is, is how you sort of fill in that, that digital conversation between those infrequent touch points. So there, you know, we might be um, using something like, um, again, a a sort of board game mechanic. So something where there's a repeat touch element to it. You have to engage repeatedly over a number of days. Um, And what that does is, uh, you know, again, you may ultimately unlock certain rewards for that repeat engagement. Uh, But in the meantime, you're coming back repeatedly to to the, the company's website we might be surrounding that game with some other activities for consumers to complete. Um, so again, that has a value for the brand. So it could be you know, reading some content about a new product. It could be going to a web page. It could be, um, again, answering a survey to provide this, this zero party or self-declared data. And each of those activities in that instance may allow me to have some extra game time, some extra dice rolls in, in the board game, for example. So you can see that there's this virtual virtual cycle of there's a mechanic that's drawing me back in on a regular basis and then you know the more that i do for the brand in terms of looking at content providing data maybe referring people into a particular brand again that allows me to play the game more so i kind of have a fun experience in terms that you know genuine game mechanic in that particular example. Um, But the brand stayed front of mind. I've had multiple touches between these sort of infrequent visits. And then, you know, when I decide it's the time to buy a new pair of jeans or it's time to take the family out for a pizza, you know, uh, all other things being equal, um, that brand is sort of mentally available for me. And I'm perhaps more likely to, to pick those over a competitor, particularly if, again, we've rolled into that whole cycle A real-world reward like a discount voucher or an electronic coupon uh, that i can immediately redeem as well so again i guess that's a sort of law to use case but your onboarding one is, is another classic example again you know how do you make that that process visually more engaging how do you drive people off to complete certain activities throughout that process so I know in online gaming, uh, you know, one of the things is that you, you need people to go through a series of, of steps for regulatory purposes, but then it's about how can you get people to play, you know, a particular game X number of times? How do you maybe get them to cross play on, onto different game, game types as well? Because obviously the, the quicker you get people through that kind of cycle, the stickier those, those consumers, those players are going to be. Um, so absolutely, um, that, that's definitely a use case as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, no,
0: I've I've worked in both the gaming and uh, kind of car sharing industries, and there's a lot of um, account verification that has to be done. There are some difficult, you know, not difficult processes, but more, more complex processes in, uh, that are required to get accounts set up. Um, so, uh, for example, when I work with uh, Europe car, you know, you have to get people's a picture of their driving license, you have to get their address, you have to get their DVLA check code to be able to actually verify that they're allowed to drive the cars and all that, you know some of it is uh information that people might not be aware of or you know they're not too sure how to get hold of it and if they're faced with that on initial sign up they go well you know maybe i'll, I'll do this later or you know I, I don't know what that is not really comfortable handing that data over i'm going to go whereas i suppose if you if you can gamify that that process and i guess as, as part of gamification you can provide more information as well you know it's uh, you, you explain instead of just having a little pop-up saying we need this information to do this, you could have a, uh, like you said earlier, a badge or some sort of reward for each step that the, the user takes uh, through their through their sign-up process. Um, they get a reward at the end of it, and they can start driving the car or, or or playing on gaming websites.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I mean, you know, classic example of that. Really light touch gamification. Something that people like LinkedIn do—you um, may or may not have noticed this—you have the kind of concept of, a, of a, a, you know, a progress journey, so an indicator from naught to hundred percent. How complete is your profile? So in that case, it's, it's kind of light cut, touch. It's just a little visual cue, uh, which is kind of sort of indicating to you that there, there are more steps that you need to go through. And I guess what we bring to the, the table is then the, the ability to attach different types of rewards to each of those uh tasks that you complete so you know it may be the you know incrementally you get a little visual indicator symbols to, to indicate progress but perhaps there is this kind of pot of gold at the end of the rainbow when you've completed onboarding uh, you know when you've completed perhaps a referral of customers into a brand uh, well, that's that's classically what we're talking about
0: yeah we see, see a lot of uh, a lot of those profiles <laughs> yeah
1: pro progress bars i i kind of use the um the, the, the church roof thermometer, that's kind of a classic analogy, isn't it? You know, campaign to replace the church roof. We are so, for, so far towards collecting £50,000 to replace the roof. It's a kind of digital equivalent of that effectively, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I think it's um, I mean maybe it's just something I've not particularly noticed myself, but I don't see many companies actually putting much emphasis on that and explaining it. So like you say, you know, we're, we're this close to achieving our goal. A lot of, uh, a lot of accounts that I've had um, you know, it says you are 60%, your, your profile is 60% complete. And it kind of ends there when actually they could be saying uh, your profile is 60% complete. Um, members who complete their profile, 100% are more likely to get a job or um, are offered higher salaries or I don't know, on other sites like gaming sites, they get more, you get more rewards for yeah, absolutely. information you hand over. But, but uh, yeah, I, I do see a lot of sites who they kind of, uh, they put that step in front of you um, and it's almost like that's enough. That's enough to make you go, my, my profile shouldn't be 60% complete. It should be a hundred percent complete, but I kind of don't know why.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you, you're kind of getting to the heart of, of gamification now. So, or at least for us as three radicals. So what we sort of believe here fundamentally is that we're, if we're going to motivate audiences to act, be they consumers, be they students, be they employees, um, what we're trying to set up is effectively uh, value exchange around every interaction so you know gone are the days where where brands could literally you know tell their audience do this believe this go here do that what 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 consumers realize now what audiences realize now is that they they're kind of in the driving seat you know this is not new this is something that people have been talking about for five ten years but So as a result, you know, people know there's an inherent value in their data, there's an inherent value in their time and and engaging with the brand. So what we fundamentally believe is that gamification can be used to set up these little value exchanges around every interaction. So, you know, if I'm encouraging somebody to sign up using that earlier example, what is the reward that I get for completing that? And what we're trying to do at Through Radical is create a platform, a SaaS software platform, where we can effectively break down these customer journeys into these individual interactions. We can orchestrate those together to create journeys. But every one of those individual touches is a value exchange of some sort. So it's either, you know, as you sort of said, you know, a, a useful snippet of information about why I should do this. Um, it could be using, let's say, gated content, for example. So you complete this little pop survey about yourself and we'll give you this latest white paper uh you know which has some really useful findings in it so that's what what we believe is at the heart of what we're trying to achieve it's it's creating these value exchange value exchanges around every interaction that we're trying to drive audience members to do and as i say we're kind of using gamification in some instances to to make that more engaging but we're also mixing in real world rewards as well um because we know that there's there's a place for both of those we believe in kind of a i don't want to use a hackney term but you know you think about gamification 2.0 it's kind of about combining those those, those sort of two best to breed elements together but whereas loyalty schemes in the past have always been about i guess purely rewarding purchase and i guess the downside of that is sometimes you're rewarding behavior that people would complete anyway Uh, What we're about is allowing you to apply sometimes under the right conditions those real world rewards to every activity that somebody completes. So, not just purchase, if if I'm willing to share some content uh, with my friends on social, if I'm willing to answer a survey, you know, it may be that the aggregate of completing all of those tasks is is something that I want to to reward with real world value. Um, And again, you know, that can come in lots of different shapes and sizes.
0: Yeah, like you said, the loyalty scheme is about promoting purchases um, every, every time that every pound they spend or uh, you know, every meal or coffee they buy, they get a stamp or some points um, and it's literally just uh, rewarding that purchase. Whereas gamification is more about uh, generally enhancing the experience. Um, obviously, they, the company's getting more data from it. They should be able to use that data to personalize and, uh, and, and provide a better experience to the customer, which in theory should be more valuable than a loyalty scheme if I'm giving you uh, personalised recommendations on the clothes to buy or uh, I don't know, new menu items or something, that as, as a consumer, in theory, I, sh- I should feel like kind of better towards that business because they're saying, okay, we know because of the data you provided, you are vegan or you, have, uh, you can't eat dairy. And so our new menu recommendations for you are tailored for that. And you go, yeah, cool. Actually, you get an email uh, with some new menu items and you're like, cool, actually, this, this company is listening to me. They're offering uh, products that I like and that are suitable for me. So I'm going to go eat there or buy from there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I guess this is sort of touching upon a, uh, touching upon another kind of subject for us. So. We um, have recently started to use the term "earned data," so this idea that we're, as part of this value exchange, we're earning data all the time as people engage. Now, that data is either kind of earned explicitly, so it's either somebody actually completing, you know, one of those pop surveys to to hand over the kind of data that that you've just talked about. It's also the ability to capture, you know, implicit or implied data. So if we if we challenge consumers to create uh, to complete a range of different tasks and they complete some and they don't complete others well that's kind of implied data about you know what things people are interested in and i guess the kind of interesting thing there is what what we're again what we're seeing what we've seen over the sort of five six years that i've been at three radical is that now there's kind of a a bit of a growing backlash about data and how marketers are using data and how they're driving personalization so you know if you suddenly see an advert online, or you, you get a message through for for um, you know a product, and they've personalised that based on data that you didn't knowingly or you've unwittingly given over via you know a third-party cookie or, or or some some other nefarious means of capturing that data. Then at su- again at some point you're potentially going to turn off consumers. They're going to th- think you know this organisation knows too much about me. I didn't give you that data. Um, that's it again unsubscribe zone out um, ban the ads with you know ad blocking technology so absolutely what we're about is definitely having a more transparent conversation with with organizations so as we create interactive experiences that uh, enable brands to create these kind of fun engaging interactions with consumers that capture data it's about being very transparent about why we're capturing that data how we're going to use that And then the personalization or or how we market to afterwards, then, you know, consumers can be a lot more comfortable. Yeah, I know I gave that data over. It was during this particular activity. And, you know, at the time, there was value for me associated to that. And that's why I was happy to give it in that that scenario. And we think that's going to be increasingly important. You know, there's, uh, you know, waves of legislation. Obviously, we've had GDPR over here in the EU. Obviously, in the States, there's various, um, various, locations which are already going through the same process. So California, um, New York are about to do the same thing. And I guess what that means is that the tr- traditional sources of data and the traditional techniques for capturing that data are gonna get, gonna get a lot more uh, harder to source. So it's about re-engaging directly and starting to build up your own profiles of data about your audience base using these value exchanges as a mechanism to, to capture that data directly.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, with uh, GDPR coming in, got, gone are the days where uh, someone submits their email address to sign up uh, for an account or um, or just purchase a product and they get bombarded with newsletters. You, know, you, you can't do that anymore. Uh, there has to be the opt-in. Um, people don't have to, to opt-in for marketing. So if you've got the ability to provide a great experience and kind of, well, yeah, like earn that email address, or give really good reason why you should have it. So, you know, you might be doing some, some sort of personalization. So let's say, uh, I don't know, you might be a fashion store. You give someone the option of different categories. They like different styles. They like, Um, you know, there are certain, um, I think spoke does it, maybe Um, they ask you what sort of fits you like and, uh, and the styles you like. So by answering those questions, and then providing an email address, you're kind of saying, well, I'm happy to engage with this brand. I'm giving you the information to sell to me, to, to kind of sell what I'm telling you I want, um, rather than just being forced to hand over an email address.
1: Um, yeah, absolutely. All that, all that classic, I, I agree to cookies when I've just landed, landed on a website before I've actually had a chance to look around and decide if, if I actually do want to start you know, giving you data before I've decided if there's any value that your site is going to give to me.
0: But you know, at the same time, from a business point of view, it's difficult, isn't it? You, you can't have uh, you can't have pop-ups in different places and um, cause you know, in, in the end, you're going to create a worse user experience. And so you've got to balance out. How do we give people the privacy they want and, and let them set the rules, but also not try and trigger a different cookie pop-up, like every page they hit because you, you, you want to ask them a different thing.
1: Um, yeah, I guess so. It'd be interesting to see how that develops in time. Uh, I sort of spoke to one of the analysts at Forrester recently who kind of suggested that some organizations are starting to look towards, I guess, contextually relevant uh, pop ups. Uh, so, you know, we see that you're browsing this product. You know, is there a reason why you're browsing this? So, let's say you're on a banking website, you're looking at Savings or loans, for example. Again, you know, is there is there the potential to contextually pop up at that stage to ask a bit more information? Now, yeah, fair enough, we're not sort of maybe um, capturing cookies all the time, but it's about that opportunity in the moment when somebody's looking at something to a understand a bit more about why they're looking at it, and then B, okay, ask permissions. Is it okay if we use that insight that we've just captured in a more transparent way? But but hey, yeah, you know we're probably some years off that that kind of scenario
0: still. It's it's similar to um, to newsletter pop-ups, isn't it? You know, they annoy everyone when you land at a website for the first time and you're immediately hit with a pop-up saying, "Join our newsletter, we'll give you 10% off." And you're thinking, I, I might not even know what this business is. You. you I might have clicked on a a Facebook ad or I might have been searching for something on Google and I've come across you for the first time. That gets really annoying. Whereas if you, you know, maybe wait, you know, it could be as basic as waiting 30 seconds. If they're browsing the site for 30 seconds, they might be showing showing some interest. So maybe then you nudge them a little bit. So yeah, you know, with cookies, you could say, well, they've been browsing the site a little while they've been viewing different products. Um, they might've even gone on to request a quote or something. And maybe that's the opportunity you say well you know these are the cookies we use and do you mind if we track you or, or you know record this data
1: yeah absolutely
0: and then absolutely. also there's the whole thing I, I don't know too much about this to, to be fair but um google's uh going to be killing off cookies i think so that's you know in the next couple of years that that could massively change things
1: yeah definitely third-party cookies absolutely yes
0: cool so um are there any kind of big objections or I guess myths about gamification that you face you know if you're potentially speaking to a a prospect or a new client do you find that there is that misunderstanding of what gamification is?
1: Yeah I guess so so let's um let's give a few so um gosh so there's again there's a bit of a a term amongst gamification people they call it they they call it PBL points badges and leaderboards so um I guess you know in, in the old days a lot of Gamification platforms were all about just allowing you to sprinkle like pixie dust dust these kind of mechanics onto Your existing process uh, and and magically expect outcomes to improve Um, So so I guess that's kind of number one. I I think as I say uh, us at three radical we have probably over time Started to think about how as I say we roll in more traditional elements of loyalty uh, how we talk about this, this value exchange around data and usage. So, so that's certainly one. Um, so that, that was a sort of a, a original myth. I think the other other thing, maybe less of a myth, but more uh, something that people kind of, uh, I guess, mix up in their mind is is that, you know, gamification is, doesn't mean just games, okay? So again, sure, you might include an explicit game mechanic as part of a particular gamified experience, but... But gamification is definitely, uh, you know, a lot more than that. So, so those would be the sort of two, two that I call out. And I think that whole points, badges and leaderboards, this kind of idea of just spring, sprinkling pixie dust on, on existing process and imagine, uh, imagining that overnight you're suddenly going to see a lot higher completion rates or, um, you know, outcomes in terms of what you're trying to drive. That was what really drove probably, I guess, this, this initial bubble of hype, um, you know, sort of going back five years. Yeah, I suppose you know, the
0: first thing that comes to my mind when I think gamification would be you know points, badges, leaderboards. But there's also, and that's the kind of consumer or customer-facing side of it, but there's also the, the kind of internal-facing view on it where you say, well, we're not going to show the customer anything, but we are going to treat this as a game. They need to move from level one to level two to level three to accomplish their goals and our goals. So how do we build the site and build the product in a way that achieves that?
1: Uh, you're right there's 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 kind of with with these, these sort of value exchanges you know you're you're explicitly signposting what you want people to do in order to unlock rewards um you know gamification also has you know techniques or concepts like surprise and delight so this is where unbeknown to the consumer unbeknown to the audience member they have actually been sort of completing various steps that you want um, those people to go through and then at some stage you're going to surprise or delight those those people with a particular award or a new challenge or a new piece of content based on uh, how you've you've sort of designed your your framework. Um, Just going off a bit of a tangent, um, probably one of the best gamification case studies or or the most engaging or most memorable ones that, that I remember uh, recently, at an event I attended last year, Gamification Europe, was actually um, it was delivered by a professor from up a university up in Scotland. And uh, it was literally where they were trying to pr- protect, uh, I guess, very important government systems that hackers might try to, to infiltrate. And literally, the gamification employed there was literally they were building a whole parallel Architecture, a system that had vulnerabilities in it, uh, which was effectively an environment where hackers could be encouraged to go in uh, and literally try and hack that parallel system, as opposed to the, you know, the, the vitally important system. I think it was actually communication systems for battleships in this particular example, and it was uh, it was about how you could use gamification to actually give these hackers little snippets that made them feel like they were actually. Um, hacking through this important government system Um, but in actual fact you were just kind of expending their time in this ultimately ultimate dead end effectively so um, gamification is is, is, uh, as I sort of said earlier it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people Um, that's kind of one end of the spectrum I guess the other end of the spectrum is something as simple as obviously on on, if you have an iWatch or Apple watch rather um, obviously, the, the, the various mechanics that are used in the, um, in the health app in there, so the ability to have your daily rings that you have to complete, the, um, the various different badges or trophies that you can collect if you have streaks of, uh, streaks of completing exercise on X number of days. So, so you can really see how you know, gamification is, is a pretty wide uh, suite of things. But those are kind of, I guess if I had to give you two ends of the spectrum, those would be two really, really nice examples.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, so actually the, that hacking example there uh, reminds me of, it, it's not gamification, but um, a, a game developer a few years ago actually leaked a copy of their game because they knew it was being uh, downloaded and pirated. And it actually, um, when people got to the, I think the final boss, instead of meeting the final boss, you just got a pop-up which said, you know, something like, we know you've pirated this game. Why don't you, why don't you go to buy the real thing if you want to to, to complete it?
1: Perfect. Lovely. yes, very similar.
0: <laughs> All right, cool. So um how would you how would you recommend a business go about getting involved in gamification? What, what would be the kind of the first or you know the biggest things to consider initially um, to, to kind of get started with things?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, I guess with any any project uh, that involves technology and marketing, um, I guess it's, it's fundamental to have a you know a clear business challenge that you're looking to solve, and you know just as importantly, uh, having a clear view of metrics that you're going to be able to use to actually measure the success. So, um, uh, you know, I really love the, the 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 kind of offline to online acquisition use case that we solve for various restaurant chains that I mentioned earlier, because you know, a the solution is quite simple it's quite, you know, pretty easy to implement, but it was also very simple to measure. You know, the KPI in that case is is the number of multiple prospects that the campaign is generating. Has it generated, you know, the level that you expect? Has it maybe, you know, filled in the shortfall between the names that you lost maybe when you had your database impacted by GDPR? So it is absolutely about thinking about these things upfront. Uh, You know, by all means, it's great to have a sort of roadmap about multiple things that you might want to apply gamification to. So, Again, you know, you start with acquisition. Maybe then it is about improving your onboarding journey. Then it's applying it to uh, uh, retention or, or education, whatever the, the use cases are. But it's about breaking each of those down into bite-sized chunks. Uh, and as I say, having having clear metrics that are going to allow you to prove success or failure. Because one one of the things you know, this applies to all good marketing, doesn't it? It should be about testing things measuring if they work and then refining and improving them as they go forward. So, you know, which mix of of challenges or activities do consumers do? Which of those do they like? Which of those don't they like? Uh, Which of the different types of rewards uh, appear to be um, generating the most engagement, the most uh, activity? So it's about having, having those parts of the, of of the, um, of the story. And And I've got to be honest with you, it's amazing how many times we go to organizations who struggle to get their hands on those metrics so you know um without that you, you can't really measure success
0: yeah definitely so yeah i i definitely see a lot of companies who um they they seem to have a loyalty scheme because they're supposed to but they're probably not really tracking it um they haven't really thought through the process and it, and it is just there because uh, you know the other coffee shop down the road does it or uh tesco does it where you get a point for every pound or whatever it is and uh you know if they don't really have a plan for it they're not going to get any value from it the customer's not going to get any value from it and you know, it's, it's just a waste of time and money
1: yeah absolutely so you know the, the danger with loyalty schemes i always wince when i go into a coffee shop and they they're still using those those analog you know those physical cards where you get stamps on them and you know every sixth cup of coffee is free the number of times they must be just rewarding people for behavior that they're going to be completing anyway. Um, You know, if you're going to do something like that, at least make your reward some sort of cross sell. So, you know, we're going to give you, I don't know, 50 P off a packet of biscuits or, uh, you know, something that's encouraging you to branch out from your normal behavior, which is the daily cup of coffee that you pick up, you know, every morning on the way to the station or, uh, you, you know, before you, before you get to work. Yeah, definitely
0: incentivize someone to try one of the other products or one of your other offerings, not just give them what they, they buy anyway. Uh, yeah, Cause yeah, exactly. you are, you are literally just giving away revenue sales. Um, cool. I mean, would you say that's the, the most common mistake you see, um, just a kind of a not very well thought through plan and just they, they kind of just launch a, a loyalty plan or, or a gamification scheme. And, um, there's no real goal for it or, uh, or but, the other mistake, big mistakes you see.
1: Yeah, it's, it's often tricky. So, I mean, uh, you know, even us through radical, if we scroll back, as I say, sort of four or five years, we, you know, sometimes we didn't know what we didn't know. So, um, but again, it is about sort of avoiding this temptation to boil the ocean. So literally, um, you know, you know, come up with a few concepts that you believe are going to have a clear business outcome for you. Uh, you know, uh, maybe set up an initial three-month pilot. You know, there's no point doing something for four or six weeks. You're never going to see the value from that. So at least give it at least three months to allow you to iterate, change your creative content, change the rewards, change the mechanics that you're testing out. And then you know measure, measure, measure as you're going along, uh, and then and then Im, Im improve and refine. So that's definitely the the way to success. And, and I, I guess as you're going through that, don't be don't be afraid to pivot. So in some circumstances, it may be that you start out thinking that uh, you, you know your use of gamification is going to be all about driving more purchase. It may turn out that in actual fact, what works really well is. In actual fact, um, people don't use the rewards, if they're real-world rewards, but um, in terms of getting people to come back repeatedly to a website over a period of time and getting them to complete maybe peripheral actions that capture data, it could be that in actual fact that has just as much value to the organization. So although I'm saying start with a clear goal, and a measurement framework, don't be afraid to pivot at some stage if you find that the results are telling you that your audience is responding well or, or if it's driving value in, in, in an area that you maybe weren't expecting.
0: Yeah, I think uh, what I see a lot is people kind of panic, looking at the data too much too early, panicking when they're not getting the results they're expecting um, and, and changing things then. And actually, they start fiddling with things when they haven't really got the data to determine whether it's working or not. And then similarly, at the other end, you know, you might, um, you, you come into a business after the, you know, when they've been running for five, six years, and um, they, they might have had a particular scheme or a, a way of doing marketing that's been working that entire time. And because it's been working, they kind of, that's it. That's it for them. They're, they're happy to leave it. They don't, uh, they don't look to optimize. They're not really considering changing things because as far as they're aware, it's working, but actually when you die. uh, Kind of dive deeper into the data, you find that actually it's no longer as effective as it was a couple of years ago. But they just don't want to change it because it did work for six months to a year, and they've just kind of left it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. First-hand experience of that. So definitely, um, you know, even even as simple as keeping the creative look and feel fresh can have a big big difference. Even if you don't want to change the underlying mechanics, but you know, absolutely at Three Radical again being a technology company that comes from, you know, a classic direct marketing background, you know, absolutely the ability to support split testing, AB testing of different mechanics, different reward types, so that you can be data driven. But as you, as you correctly pointed out, it's about not panicking. It's about, you know, these are my initial tests. I'm going to leave it running for a decent period of time. uh, And then I'm going to review the results and understand what it was about the different tests that drove the, the, uh, the different results so uh, do you have any
0: particular pet peeves when it comes to marketing um e- either as someone who works with companies or, or as a consumer
1: uh, gosh so uh, I, i'm gonna uh, put my neck on the block here so uh, i always get a little bit worried about people that obsess about brand value uh, particularly if they don't have any measurement framework so um i, I love the old saying about you know Fifty percent of ad spend is waste, wasted. We just don't know which fifty percent it is. So that's probably anyone that that, that worries or obsesses too much about, uh, yeah, the, the the look and feel. I know it's important, but uh, but you know, probably not as important. I think you know studies have shown that it's all about targeting, uh, and as I say, yeah, using the data. Um, so that's probably number one. If we're talking sort of digital marketing, I guess the other one it would probably be the um the 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 analog digital. Uh, analog loyalty cards that i've already mentioned would be my my other pet peeve
0: yeah if, you, if it was one particular marketing channel or tactic that you could just get rid of uh what would it be and why
1: so i mean i suppose we've sort of touched upon some of these th- some of these themes already but from a digital perspective um i think increasingly the use of third-party data is, is probably nearing the end of its usefulness perhaps i mean it's always going to exist there's always going to be some value in, in using third-party data but i think probably you know sort of we talked about the backlash earlier from consumers about um, you know personalization based on inaccurate or flawed data uh, or where people are nervous or unsure about where that's come from i think definitely means that that's probably had its time and, and that's why absolutely we, we believe that it's all about now engaging directly and giving a reason to to provide that data so um i guess yeah that would probably be um probably be the, the main thing that i would i would sort of point out as, as we move forwards
0: okay yeah i guess on the analog side it's probably still that uh, those coffee loyalty schemes
1: yeah i i, I guess uh, a good one to th- throw that back to you do you have any any you would cite particularly from your uh, from your track record in marketing as well
0: do you know what i've got it's kind of relevant to my situation now that I'm, I'm potentially stuck in poland i've basically i've bought a ticket on a flight um and that flight was then cancelled and then the the offer i've got is uh, i can either have a full refund or change the uh, ch- change the flight i changed the flight in the first instance and uh that flight was then cancelled and so i feel it's kind of a been a bit less sneaky marketing well, kind of marketing tactic to actually get my purchase, you know, get me signed up, get me data, almost get me committed and they'll actually keep trying to move the, the flights until it's actually convenient for them. So they've almost like tricked me into buying mm. and um, yeah, that's one of them. Uh, the other actually would be um, subscriptions that make it really difficult to cancel. Um, I actually, <laughs> I had one earlier today, they, they did a really good job of emailing me actually to say, we're going to renew your subscription in a week. Um, it's an annual subscription, um, it will renew on this date. And I thought, actually, I don't use this, this uh, subscription anymore, I'll go and cancel it. And I had to go through a three-step cancellation um, flow, which was pretty much identical on each page. But in, on one of the pages, they actually switched the, uh, switched the layouts of the buttons. So on the first page, I, cl- I clicked <laughs> the right-hand button, which was end my subscription. And then on the next page, that button was actually keep subscription. So I clicked it by accident, ended up back in my my account with a, a subscription that wasn't cancelled. And so I had to go through the flow again. And there's no reason for that because it's, it's not convinced me to, to stay. It's, it's actually just wound me up a bit. And, you know, it makes me more committed to, to making sure I've got that cancellation. So I think um, yep. the, big, the big general one for me would be just making it difficult for people to cancel um, the subscriptions or services that, that they've signed up for, especially, you know, if, if there's no contract or anything, you know, yep. if you're on a 30 day rolling contract or if, if someone's subscription is coming to an end, just, just let them end it if they want to. Yep.
1: And there's no, there's been no attempt at a value exchange there to keep you, uh, engaged as a as a subscriber, either has a, I guess another one that springs to mind. I don't know if things have changed. It's been a, a while since I've been in this space, but um, previous company I used to work for used to have social media monitoring tools. Um, so the ability to you know listen out to Facebook and Twitter and try to establish what people were saying about your brand. So again, uh, unless you've got an army of people optimizing that and you know applying keywords to filter things out, so. Uh, you know, that's, that's uh, a classic example, Scottish power. They, they use some, some tools like that and, uh, they always used to get a spike whenever Andy, Andy Murray used to do well at Wimbledon. So it's just a classic example. So again, that's another one on that was four or five years ago. Things may have moved on since then.
0: Yeah. I think, I think similarly linked to that, uh, yeah, people using bots to auto respond
1: on, it, it, I think
0: it was a big thing on Twitter and unless you, you really nailed your targeting. Um, you were either kind of thanking people when actually they were they were saying something negative about your brand, or you'd be saying sorry to someone when they're actually just trying to get in touch with you, or uh, or they've had a good experience. You know, if you just get one of the words wrong in your targeting, um, you just ruin the experience. So I think uh, you know, automation tools like that, you've either got to absolutely nail them or just just don't do it. Um, just uh, just have have someone human doing it. Cool. Well, uh, you know, th- thank, you for, thank you for coming on the, on the podcast. It's been really, really interesting. Good luck with everything at 3Radical.
1: Fantastic. Yep. Thanks ever so much for having me. Feel free to li- uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn. More than happy to talk to anyone, anyone that wants to discuss things further. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, uh, fantastic. Thanks, thanks for inviting me.
0: No problem. Cheers. Thanks very much. Great stuff from Will there. Uh, if you're not doing gamification, it's definitely worth thinking about how you can build this into your business. It's super helpful for capturing data and enriching customer profiles so that you can create more personalized and engaging marketing experiences. Contrary to what most people believe, it's not about getting stamps on a loyalty card for that free coffee you were gonna buy anyway. And while rewards often used, and, and to be honest, probably quite expected by the consumer, it's important that neither side view the reward as the end goal. It shouldn't just be a tool to provide a discount, it should be an engaging experience which has the end result of enriching the customer profile while providing clear value to the customer as well. If you're thinking of implementing gamification in your business, or you're thinking of reviewing an existing program, remember to start with clear goals and KPIs and prepare to be flexible. In these sort of programs, you you do get unexpected results and impacts on other areas of the business. So as long as you've got enough data to make decisions, don't be afraid to pivot. That's all from me today. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe for future episodes. And if you have any questions about gamification and loyalty schemes, please just ping them over to will at customerswhoclick.com. In the next episode of Customers A Click, I'll be speaking with Parry Mam the CEO of Phrasee, all about AI marketing and the effect language has on consumer behaviour. But until then, keep those customers clicking. <laughs>